Welcome to the Diversity Sauce Podcast from KidMath, the Kids Inclusive and Diverse Media Action Project. We're your hosts, Kabir Seth and Amy Kraft. Diversity Sauce, don't dribble a little on at the end. Bake it into your children's digital media from the beginning. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Diversity Sauce. You got to hear our intro. Um, I'm repeating myself, so we <laughs> should just start right into our topic, and we are going to cover Wonder Woman today. Both Amy and I have seen it. Did you love it, Amy? I mean, I don't think love is a strong enough word for how I felt about it. <laughs> yeah, that's. I it. want the music to play right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can click. Bring that music in at the beginning, considering my terrible intro just now. We can just have that. There you um, go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Judging by your Facebook feed alone, Amy, I would say that, yes, love is probably not a strong enough word. for how much Yeah, what, I think for like six straight days, all yeah. I was doing was public, um, pushing uh, yeah. Wonder Woman think pieces. <laughs> you were. That, that sounds right. And then I think at one point you were like, well, today's not the day I'm not going to post about Wonder Woman. <laughs> I, I thought I was done, but it turns out I'm not done. Right. So I think the theme of this podcast is I read all the think pieces so you don't have to. We'll summarize <laughs> here. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, so we, for those of you who haven't seen the movie, do not turn off the podcast yet. We're going to structure this in a way so that even if you haven't seen the movie, you can still listen to us and then we will give you a warning when we actually get to um to spoilers so i think really what we wanted to start with was sort of the lead up to this movie um and kind of things that happened right as it was about to as it was released but um even starting kind of before that amy there was like sort of this weird pressure that came from a couple different places one was just in general it doesn't seem like dc has made a good superhero movie yet so there was this weird pressure from there and then what else well, did you sort of i mean there were the christopher reeve superman movie <laughs> okay sorry sorry i meant a, a in the 2000s is that fair i mean one could argue the christian bale the first i was the first yeah. christian bale batman yeah i'm like seriously having to backtrack here what i mean is like since they've sort of launched this idea of a dc universe and trying to really match with marvel i guess kicking off yeah batman with kicking off with batman versus superman right so well and that we had yet another actor start with the batman right role before getting wonder woman (laughs) right exactly exactly We, we I mean, again. really, we need another Superman, another Batman. We're getting another, like, Spider-Man, you know, like 18,000 Spider-Mans. And... Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm mixing my Marvel with my DC now. But True. True, but it, it happens. <laughs> we make the comparison but, pretty, pretty. Yeah, good. this idea, like, just, just do Wonder Woman. <laughs> <What does that laughs> <have to> do? <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think you, you were saying before we started, like, Suicide Squad happens before Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. And, um... Suicide Squad is a horrible movie. I know it made $440 million or whatever in worldwide box office, but it is, it is an awful, awful movie. Um, so so notwithstanding just that, right, now the 
the movie is being made. It's being directed by a female director, um, which of course leads to some pieces as the movie is being reviewed, right? They have to call this out literally every single time. Um, and they sort of call it out in a way to say that maybe Patty Jenkins was like not worthy of directing this movie. You saw this. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. And her film credentials, you know, exceed that of like a lot of men giving been given similar chances. And she directed Shirley Theron to an Oscar in mm-hmm. the movie Monster. You know, she can tell a great story. It's this idea that like, oh, a tentpole blockbuster, a woman is way too big a risk. And like it, it's so crazy to me because you might have like somebody with similar like indie cred and um, you know, hasn't done a lot of big budget or big action and it's like but if it's a dude it doesn't feel right. like that much of a risk yeah the, that's the part that angered me the most was you had people like this was like variety i think wrote a piece about it i think hollywood reporter like hollywood reporter yeah, did the, too, like yeah. it literally takes 15 seconds to like look this up about the director like first of all what you're talking about and then looking up to see the credentials of all the male directors who've ever directed a superhero movie like mm-hmm. it's a simple google search and anybody can tell you that that th- those people had less cr- credentials when they recorded the movie or when they made the movie and they weren't and it was never brought up it was just sort of like he did this great indie film and now he's now he's doing this movie not he's right. at risk yeah right. it was like maddening frustrating and sorry go ahead oh it just puts so much pressure on patty jenkins yep. to just like now like so there's wonder woman you know no live action wonder woman movie a lot of pressure there you know the most iconic female action hero um any movie with a woman director is considered a Hollywood risk. Right. Um, still, I don't know how many times we have to prove this. Similarly, a Hollywood lead. So Gal Gadot has mm-hmm. like a lot to prove now. Can, can she carry this franchise? Um, so everybody, you know, because you put a woman at the helm, a woman is the star, it has to perform, even though Beauty and the Beast outperforms Hunger Games. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, divergent like all these other like films that like are women-led and you know women action and women go see it and they perform great at the box office the fact that we keep seeing the same thing in print like i don't know <laughs> there's ladies We're really rolling the dice here yeah <laughs> like i mean honestly if now it happens again like and everything that I read about Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman invariably mentions Elektra, Catwoman, yeah, and, Catwoman. and the flops of, like, where it's like, if a dude directs something, I don't mention every flop <laughs> of every male director. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I know. They, I mean, that was the other thing I was going to It's talk like you about. represent all women all the time. Right. Like, this is the pressure's on, like... You, you have to nail it. And, yeah, they they bring up Catwoman and Elektra, and they're like, oh, those um, those are reasons that we can't do female superheroes. Like, people don't go see those movies. Like, so so we're not even at the movie, right? Like, all of this is, is being cited as reasons that these are risks. 
oh my gosh, is it like Wonder Woman going to perform? There's all this pressure. Then we get to opening night, right? And a movie theater, was it in New York, the Alamo Draft House? No, no, oh. I believe it was the one in Austin. Yeah, in Austin. Decide, Although I think the one in New York did it too. Decided to do it, yeah. So Austin decides to have a have a single screening that is female only. Um, and then I guess, like you were saying earlier, right, They then later on they did another one. But, like, Twitter goes insane. Social media, like, loses its mind. I actually don't know how big of a deal it was in the real world, but um, social media just absolutely loses it and finds it just they cannot believe that a movie theater would do this. I, yeah. did, did you happen to attend a female-only screening? I mean, there were a lot of women in the audience <laughs> where I went, but um, no, it wasn't women only. Yeah. Would I have liked to go to a women only screening? Yeah. Yes. yes. Do I think it's sexist? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just so interesting too, because like all the things like, this is sexist. Yeah. You guys are getting a thing. Right. It was... <laughs> and, and like, you can't go see it in any other theater at, at Anywhere. the same time. Like it, just like this and that you couldn't like even at the alamo draft house you can go see other shows but just like a one like special event thing yeah um yeah and i feel like um male reviewers in particular not all of them hashtag not all men um <laughs> did not understand why this movie felt important to women and and I, gosh, there were a few that I read, maybe Guardian one, where the reviewer was just like, everything's, it's being graded on a curve. And like, it's of course, like, it's just like very deeply rooted sexism. David Edelstein and Vulture got called out for his review because it was like totally objectifying like Gal Gadot and how like Israeli women are a special breed and like all this thing wow. like you're gross like they're gross but this I this whole idea of grading on a curve because people wanted it so much is it's it just just indicative of everything that's wrong with like not only do men usually helm our movies and star in our movies and write our movies they also review our movies and i find this actually when i'm reading reviews of kids stuff a lot like uh, any movie that's targets children you'll get like an adult male reviewer like this is stupid <laughs> it's like you are you have to put yourself in the frame of mind of like kind of like who the audience is but being like a white male reviewer you are the audience of like almost everything yeah <laughs> so so when something doesn't speak to you um Maybe it's confusing. <laughs> yeah, that's really well put. Actually, that whole thing about how, you know, males are the ones writing the movies, they're the ones directing the movies, most of the time they're the ones starring the movies, now they're the ones reviewing the movies. Like, that goes back to what we've talked about so much with the Dig Toolkit, right? About how you can't sprinkle on the diversity sauce at the end. Like, Right. There has it has to be baked in. It has to be. It has to start from the very beginning, from the top. So yeah, that's it. Just comes full circle. I watched a fascinating review earlier today. It was Fat Man on Batman, which is Kevin Smith and Mark Bernadine. Uh -huh. um, you know, and Kevin Smith, big comic book yeah. nerd. Mark yeah. Bernadine, like writes comic books and works for Entertainment Weekly. 
but they were so funny. Like they said something that just made me laugh because they were talk- talking about, again, we're not getting into spoiler territory no. yet, but the character of Steve Trevor and how for us, the audience, like, you know, they were talking about the audience, Steve Trevor is our avatar. So like we understand like Wonder Woman through Steve Trevor's eyes right. and like all these things. I'm like, no, no, no. Maybe for you guys, <laughs> Steve <laughs> Trevor is like who you're looking at. Like women were kind of like all eyes. I mean, I'm speaking for myself here, but it's just like we just wanted to like we got to see the protagonist as a woman like yeah. the superhero as a woman so for these these guys who are so used to seeing and and they they had a fine like feminist review but it, I, i'm picking on them for this one part yeah. it's just so funny because like welcome to our world it's like we're the girlfriend we're the yeah. you know that's the sidekick, a really great the, point yeah the thing it's just like yeah okay so suddenly you're the avatar of the supporting player is who you're relating to. Right. Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's, yeah, that's really well said. Um, Yes. The, uh, I think speaking of the audience, so I I think I read something though, that the audience was like 52, 48, it was female to to male. So it wasn't like it was like overwhelming. Um, right. It wasn't know. like Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> right, right. I think when I went to go see it, I mean, I didn't notice an overwhelming number of women. I mean, it was just, it just seemed like any other, well, I don't know. I don't think there were, I, th- I think um, it was like half the audience was men. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. They were like, yes, the, the movie <laughs> doesn't star you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Well, and I went to go see it. My daughter's birthday happened to coincide with one oh, wow. weekend, nice. which is incredible. So I went with a group of six 11 and 12 year old girls. Nice. And I got to wear my Wonder Woman t-shirt. There were people dressed up as Wonder Woman. When we were riding the subway home, we saw groups of Wonder Women. You know, so it was like... Um, oh, it was taking cr- pictures. I, know, I, saw, I, I saw the pictures at the theater. <laughs> That's um, awesome. It was just really incredible. And I think not since the Women's March, mm-hmm. you know, where you really felt like, you know, you could see someone on your train like, oh, yeah, we're going to the same place. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it had that feeling. And there was a real solidarity walking around the city. And we were in a park afterwards. And there was a little toddler dressed up as Wonder Woman who came up to us because my daughter's friend was wearing her Wonder Woman socks. I was in my Wonder Woman T-shirt. <laughs> and awesome. it was like generational and lovely and amazing. Yeah. And so, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> there I'm was sure to say there was anticipation and camaraderie. Like it was amazing. Yeah. You saw that picture of the girl dressed as Wonder Woman, right? Looking up at the huge photo of the Wonder Woman poster. At the movie and then show. I started crying again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was really just a great moment. A really great moment. It's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have to say, like, it was such a roller coaster of all the stuff leading up to it and getting my butt in the seat, you know, to like go see it. There were the good reviews, the bad reviews, the the thought pieces, the being angry at feminists. And, um, you know, it just reminded me of like when there was that David E. Kelly pilot, um, like what, six or seven years ago now, I guess where there was going to be a Wonder Woman TV show. And again, we were all psyched. We were there for it, right? (laughs) Until the first um, 
image of this Wonder Woman iteration's outfit appeared. And it was like vinyl and trashy and like the the like weird Halloween store sexy costume version of Wonder Woman. Right, right. And and everyone's like, you feminists ruin everything. Now we can't have Wonder Woman. You got canceled. <laughs> but, but the point of it was, like, when we saw that costume, again, I'm saying, like, the collective we here, but um, yeah. I, it was like, if you think that is Wonder Woman's costume, I don't trust you to make Wonder Woman. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, everyone said, like, we're making too big of a deal out of nothing. But it's just like, there's a real trust issue. And so, like... Patty Jenkins, Gal Gadot, like have 100% earned our trust as like these are the the people to deliver Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. You had to like jog my memory on this um, on the pilot. I had totally forgotten about it. I knew like I knew the lead from Friday Night Lights, mm-hmm. Adrian Palaki, but then um, I remember they had like said that she was going to be the lead, but then it seemed like the project never actually. Um, like it was going to happen, then it didn't happen, then it was going to happen, then I like totally missed that they even did a, a pilot. Um, I, was I personally to... can't stomach watching it, but apparently it's online that uh, you can like watch the whole thing. I see. Well, clearly you're not missing <laughs> anything, Amy, so I think you're safe there. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. So I think... I think that like covers the lead up into that. And I think like you said, like there you sort of had all these emotions as you sat down, you're going to, to see this. I think I was sort of like so I remember I think last Thursday I went to go look at Rotten Tomatoes. I always go look at Rotten Tomatoes to see what the movies are and what they're getting. And like Ronda Woman was like above ninety percent. It was like at ninety four mm-hmm. or something and I was just like, Holy cow finally they're like making um a dc movie that's not gonna suck so (laughs) i was i was pumped and then um i couldn't go see it last weekend and then finally i made it happen on this past saturday night um and it sounds like it like the second week drop off was was pretty low right you were sending me that that yeah yeah so i mean it's very important that across the because again everything's riding on this do we trust patty jenkins to make a movie ever again made over a hundred million dollars in opening weekend but vox just posted um the drop-off going from one week one to week two now and they're comparing it to modern superhero movies so the movie with the highest drop-off is batman versus superman (laughs) which you know and then you have things like suicide squad as you mentioned and even some x-men are up there which i'm kind of surprised about of like really steep drop-off so like everyone wants to see it weekend one and then the word gets out that like "Mm, this is not so good yeah um but wonder woman is the lowest Drop, like second weekend drop off of all of the modern superhero movies that Vox has identified. Wow. So that is amazing. And I think, you know, I had a friend who saw it three times opening weekend. I'm planning to go see it again, you yeah. know, because you and I had talked about this previously, but like there was so much pressure when you get in the seats. Like, is this going to be okay? Is everything going to be okay? Yeah. <laughs> that now i just want to go back and enjoy it right exactly not that i didn't enjoy it please don't get me (laughs) right no like i think it's like you said there's this just it was just this weird like 
I don't know what to call it. Anxiety. It was just like weird anxiety, anxiety. when I was watching the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So now we're going to actually talk about the movie. So if, if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to be spoiled, you can come back and listen to the rest of this after you see it this weekend or go see it tonight right now when after we're done after you i mean really why haven't you seen it already right. go see it right now <laughs> right now exactly. drop what you're doing <laughs> exactly stop listening to us um so i so i i love the movie i think um it was just amazingly done i i when we, when it opened and she was a little girl i was nervous um, I think I was like Phantom Menace nervous, but um, <laughs> it it everything worked. Like I thought that the first act was great. Um, what what did you think? I know like we've talked about this anxiety, but like how were you? How were you feeling? Well, it's interesting because there's like the three acts of the movie, yeah. right? Like we. We have, like, uh, Themyscira, the Paradise Island, Steve Trevor comes to the right, island. Right. Then we go to London, you know, and then we've got, like, sort of, like, preparing to go off to war and, like, the sort of, like, early battle scenes. And then the third act where she's fighting the big bad. Yeah. And I have to say, like, the island gets a lot of attention. And don't get me wrong, awesome, loved the battle. But I was so moved by the second act. Like, that's where, like, I felt like, there's no mistaking Gal Gadot is a real Wonder Woman. Like she is perfect for this role. Like yeah. she played everything just so beautifully. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed that sort of when they get to London, and she's sort of learning everything that's going on. But it, I just I. The way that she, yeah, she, the way that she plays the character is sort of like you never get this like like they they treat each other like equals and it's so much it's so different of this like she's not you know she just what is the mission I need to take care of this mission like you need to help me like it's um, it's just really well done and then sort of the the the, th- the part that I really liked also the the London thing is like. Um, what DC has not done well is sort of not take itself too seriously. And like that sort of like fish out of water thing where she's learning all the nuances or like learning how only men are allowed in this room and stuff like that. Like it's just so well done. Like I thought it was funny and it was um, that secretary, his secretary is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I just, I thought that was just a great part. Um, And then, um, when they actually get to the battle. So, you know, well, it's just staying, staying on yeah. that London piece a little bit. I wish I could now remember which of my think pieces this came from. Um, but someone pointed out that her makeover was a makeover in reverse down to putting on the glasses. Cause every other makeover, it's like, look at this frumpy girl. And then she takes off her glasses and it's like, Oh dear God, she's beautiful. <laughs> but this idea that like, you know, you know, her makeover is going to, like, put on the glass. Like, there was just something really funny about it. That's true. Um, she, yeah. like, dresses in her suffrage. It reminded me so much of Splash. Do you remember the movie Splash? Yes, yes, yes. I remember. Like, with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. Yeah. It's like, everyone kind of keeps talking about fish out of water. But there is a moment of, like, you know, Daryl Hannah goes shopping in Bloomingdale's. 
and not knowing because she's a mermaid <laughs> at a shop. <laughs> but there's just something like very funny to it. But I think when I saw the very first teaser trailer, I was worried. Um, not that it didn't like look beautiful, uh-huh. but in the very first ones, it was all the action sequences. And like I grew up with Linda Carter, so I need her to have charm and humor. And so it wasn't until like the second or third trailer that we started to see her like in a little bit of the like London goofiness. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, this is this is who I want my Wonder Woman to be. She's got to have, you know, some softness is just the worst possible word (laughs) (laughs) in this super like feminist charge conversation. But um, you know, her reaction to the baby, her reaction to the ice cream, cream, but then like fearlessness just entering like that room full of men and like not giving a damn about like whatever cultural norms in this new world she was in yeah was really refreshing yeah yeah yeah. that it was it was great yeah the the baby and the ice cream then yelling at the guy and then um when they come out and he's like we are gonna go to the front line she's like you lied to them it was just (laughs) yeah it was um it was great. I I just loved all of that. Um, I feel maybe like we shouldn't skip over the island too much because there's where the island was where I felt like I recognized that, that we had a female director. Um, and I think in part it was the casting of the women on the island mm-hmm. that they got all these like real life athletes of all different like shapes and sizes. Yeah. And, you know, like that, that it wasn't just like this. I, I feel like even in the way it's depicted in the comics, it's just like the Amazonians are like everyone like cookie cutter, you know, like right. I threw this one body and now copy and paste. Yeah, yeah, body. yeah. Um, so that was great. And, um, you know, we've got to say Robin Wright, holy cow. Right. So good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was that, that's true. We shouldn't skip over. I I think it was, did you post that article about like scenes from like the shot, the, um, the shooting from the Island? Like they had all these different, like you said, all these different women, they were like athletes, super muscular. And then they had like different shapes it was just like very very cool and like you said it it had it was very clear that it was a it was a female director who had who had done and because of their athleticism those battle scenes had like real power and force to them that it wasn't just like the supermodel extras not that supermodels can't be strong but um that you know they're if you've got people who, you know, throw shot put or whatever, you know, just like with the yeah. super big muscles. They look real. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there was just this authenticity to the battle, for sure, um, on the beach. That was awesome. Um, there was a great tweet about how our princesses have grown up to be generals. Yeah. And it featured Robin Wright from The Princess Bride, yes. who's now a general. And Slaya is now a general. Yeah, that was so <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I remember you you posted that. That tweet was awesome. It was really good. Like, not queens, generals. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so then, so she she's gearing up for the battle, then they make it to the front lines, and then it's that awesome um, no man's land kind of, um, they tell her she can't go out there, and 
there, which article was talking about how, I think it was the LA Times article, right? Yeah, I think that was Meredith Warner in the LA Times. Yeah, yeah, that piece is called Why I Cried Through the Fight Scenes in Wonder Woman. Um, and she, <laughs> the, I guess Patty Jenkins, right, said that when it was the producers or, or really the studio execs were like, why do we need this scene? And um, they just weren't, they weren't understanding it. And I was, I was telling you before I, before we started recording, when I now when I think of the movie, I think of her standing there um, in No Man's Land. It's just so awesome. Really well done. I totally, like uh, Meredith Warner, cried totally through that scene. There was something about... I'm, this is where I think she's also the superhero for our times. It's like everything was stuck stagnant nobody could move forward nobody could retreat Mm -hmm. what are we going to do people are suffering the men are like you know she's disagreeing with steve trevor on tactical plans you know he's like no no no, you lose the battle but win the war like that kind of stuff and her feeling of like not only is that unacceptable but i'm going to take (laughs) off like my cape and my thing and get down to just my like warrior gear and walk out into the battlefield that like nobody could enter right and because of and what i liked about that scene too is she doesn't single-handedly go take the enemy down she makes it okay for people to follow her into Mm -hmm. battle Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah yeah really moving right that i think um like the thing about that is like it's it's a i don't even know how long it was maybe like from her climbing up that ladder and then standing into no man's land all the way through the scene like the end where she takes down that sniper is probably what like five minutes six minutes Mm -hmm. it but it's so intense. Like I actually remember sort of like um, just like exhaling at the end, like sort of like, okay, <laughs> like that was really intense. Like there was a lot going on in those last six minutes. Like it was just, I just thought it was really like you sort of knew what was going to happen. It's a superhero movie, but like, I just thought it was just done in a, an amazing way. And I think right from that, from that point all the way to where she takes down the church um, sniper or the the tower sniper, I guess, um, yeah. is just awesome. Yeah. Um, there was some, got another tweet that I'm not finding, but like, it was like, bless the little boy yes. sitting next to me in Wonder Woman who just whispered, Diana, no. <laughs> when she was in danger. It's just yeah. so sweet yeah oh here like a twitter user emily emily lloyd posted that uh so sweet um yeah yeah (laughs) um it was really beautifully done and i think we should talk a little bit about um well we'll come back to steve trevor because we can spend some time on steve trevor yeah but the other men who she was traveling with like there was a character who clearly had like some serious ptsd issues from battles he'd been um the the fez wearing actor who just like brought some great comic relief and then the character of 
chief who, um, you know, I was reading a film review on um, a Native American website called Indian Country Today. Um, I love it. It's like the native nerd review. Um <laughs> But in the same way that, like, you know, women are crying, watching this movie, like, very overcome with being represented, um, this writer was saying, um, the actor Eugene Braverock, um, as chief, this is lost on a lot of us, but he actually speaks um, Blackfoot to Wonder Woman, like, their native language. Um, And, like, that to see that in such a mainstream movie like this author writes that like it was extremely emotional for him because again it's just not something that happened so that this also is occurring as like a whole other layer of wonder woman and he's not just like an actor who comes and goes like he's really sort of like critical to their mission Uh in like taking down like these uh evil warmongers right yeah as, as a genuine part of the team yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch um, that he spoke Blackfoot, and then um, that that piece also talked about how he introduced himself as Nappy, the Blackfoot demigod, who's known as a trickster and a storyteller. So yeah, it was it was just really really well done, and it um, it it felt real and, and authentic. And obviously, mm-hmm. they they knew what they were doing when um, when they had the character speak. So it was. I mean, it's just one more gold star, but, like, it it's just one more reason to, to love the movie. And like you said, it's an example of this representation and, and people not used to seeing themselves, that language, and that sort of culture brought onto the screen in a mainstream, you know, tentpole movie. So, yeah, hats off to them for, for knocking that out of the park. Um, should we talk about Steve Trevor? Much can be said about Steve Trevor. (laughs) I'll say this, like, I mean, I've seen Star Trek and I liked it well enough, but I really didn't think of Chris Pine as, like, any from any of the other Chris's. Like, don't really care, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. But now, now Chris Pine is sort of emerging as top Chris, I think. (laughs) Although Pratt is still up there. Yes, (laughs) there was a raging debate on Twitter about the Chris's, right? Chris. <laughs> I do. Uh, I do struggle to keep them all straight. So um, I well, just forgot. It was even his Saturday Night Live um, monologue was just a joke about like which Chris he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The Chris who plays Steve. No, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Chris who plays Steve. There's multiple Steves. Um, yeah. Yeah, because Captain America. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So it. There's one, there's a couple things that I'll point to. One is Teresa Jacino's post, and then Mary Sue. And I have to say, Mary Sue and Jezebel are two sides that have like done some excellent Wonder Woman coverage. Yeah. But it's called the Steve Trevor Factor. Wonder Woman gives us a template for what gender equality can look like. And the point of this is, um, as we go through the movie, you've got like Diana and Steve, and they're really, um, treated on equal footing like he brings a lot to the table and when she's off doing like her superhero stuff he's still being like a regular hero like he's doing heroic things that a human being can do and not like a demigod right right (laughs) Um, 
And, and it sort of like shows the model of like, hey, writers, when you're writing like the female love interest to your superhero, like could they have some of these qualities? Like, okay, you go do that. I'm going to go have this battle over here and like I'm going to fight and I'm going to do this thing. And our banter is going to be like really smart and funny and like you get why these two are attracted to each other. Um, yeah. What do you think about Steve Trevor? Yeah, no, I think everything you just said, like, you, um, it was, it was amazing. I think the way that they sort of put it in the, in the article was that, um, it, it was how they can have an equal, an actual equal partnership. And that was like what kept coming through in every interaction they were having. Like there, like you did, you sort of did pick up that there was a mutual attraction, but it was like the way that they spoke to each other, the way that they just treated each other, like it, there was this equalness to it. And mm-hmm. um, after sort of the the scene, um, after the snowfall and they're dancing, um, I really liked how the, the article puts it this way, like is, after that she's not making Google eyes at him the rest of the movie. And right. I, I was really happy about that. Like it was just sort of like two adults, this happened, and and they were like, they don't even have an expected awkward morning after talk. Like, it's, I love that. Like, it was just, um, it was, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how else, it was like an adult. Like, like it was just amazing. Yeah. And I have to say, I might have audibly cheered when, like, whenever she, like, defied him, like, what I do is not up to you. Yeah. And it's like, you know even though like we we really kind of love him at this point of the movie like that she doesn't have to again like she's not google eyes like now they kind of have like a little relationship going on but it doesn't mean that she's like oh okay honey yeah yeah (laughs) exactly there it just wasn't there and then right um, yeah i mean that finishing part of is they just go about their business because they have shit to do like i thought that was just perfect yeah um, yeah, and we, now I think getting to the should we get to the major spoiler? Yeah. Well, I guess there's a couple major spoilers, but I have to say, like, I, you know, I love Steve Trevor and I like really <laughs> liked him, but I might have been laughing when he died <laughs> <laughs> because I had a moment of like, oh my god, they fridged Steve Trevor, which I literally couldn't believe happened. So, um, do you want to explain this trope? For people who yeah, don't so um, in fact, there's a there's a BuzzFeed article by Alana Bennett, um, <laughs> and the title of this is Six Ways Wonder Woman is a Breath of Fresh Air in This Cruel World." That's <laughs> <laughs> great, but um, you know, the women in refrigerators, as, as she traces the history of it, which is helpful. But it's there's an instance in Green Lantern where, like, the character, the male character's motivation comes from like his love interest like left in a refrigerator like so women in refrigerators as a trope has come to mean anytime a woman dies to give emotional resonance to the male hero's story so like you call it fridging you know and like they say after Gwen Stacy dies in Spider-Man mm-hmm. Peter Parker's heartbroken and now he's a hero who saves the world because he's had his heart broken so 
it was interesting because that it is kind of exactly what happened. Like Wonder Woman's ready to give up. Like she's like humans are awful, and you know, he says some nice resonant words to her before he goes off in a plane where he ends up having to blow himself up so it doesn't gas all these innocent people. Right. But then that is where she finds her inner strength to keep fighting, like our big bad Ares god yeah. of yeah. war. And I thought that, like that, like really is the definition of fridging. And the, to have the tables turned, and this isn't nice of me. Like it's not nice that I feel. <laughs> Happy that the tables were turned. That's not right. And yet. <laughs> and yet you still can't stop laughing about it. And yet, I mean, I'm going to go see it again. Then I'll probably cry. Because <laughs> I'll love him even more seeing him the second time. But I was so surprised by it. Because I there's something about it being our female superhero one. It's like, can't she just have love too? And that'll be a romance and like all this stuff. And it's like, nope. <laughs> We're following all the superhero conventions. Yeah, yeah. I guess that, like, I was, uh, it did feel a little forced. Like, seriously, this is the only answer that we can come up with is for him to right. fly this plane really high and blow himself up. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that probably was unnecessary, but you're, you're right, it followed the trope. Um, well, and it's perfect. interesting because then this third act is the most criticized part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be because it really starts to follow the script of what happens in superhero movies. Like there's the battle at night, um, you know, you're battling your big angry villain, like who's revealed to be not who you thought I was going to be. Right. Um, the characters fridged and you know like now like there's no love interest it's just like it's it's really interesting that like by following the script of course she gets called out on it more maybe but yeah that's a good point i think um yeah i i guess like to some extent that's what makes it a superhero movie right like Mm -hmm. where were you gonna take this um take this thing like she kept reiterating the Aries thing, right? Like, it sort of becomes like the gun that you introduce in the first act. It's got to go off, right? Aries has right. got to show up at some point. Um, so, yeah. I will say, I love David Thulis so much. Am I saying his name right? But who played um, Lupin in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. And he was big Lebowski. <laughs> I said to my daughter afterwards, I'm like, how do you feel about Lupin being the bad guy? <laughs> And one of the girls who was with us didn't realize that's who that was. And she's like, you just ruined Harry. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought that was, that was, uh, he was a great character. I mean, like, I obviously figured out by the second act that he was the bad guy. Um, I think, I do have to say, like, when the movie ended, I was ready for more wonder. Like, I was, I, like, it, it was a long movie, but I was like, I want to hear more of the story, right? Like, you were, mm-hmm. you definitely wanted to see how this was. I think I'm now feeling anxiety about Justice League, so. <laughs> um, I would say I'm just feeling excitement about Justice League okay. because, in addition to Wonder Woman, when I used to watch the cartoon, Aquaman was my favorite. Okay. <laughs> and I love, I, I'm really excited to have Aquaman, too. Yeah, I guess I should stop feeling anxiety. <laughs> Are you not? Going, no, I was never an Aquaman. So, like, to be honest, I was, like, I was very much a Batman guy. Like, I was, like, only Batman. 
I think I got into Superman for a little while when he died. <laughs> like, I think I got the Superman comic, like, leading up to his death, and then I read a little bit after, like, because then after that there were, like, four Superman, so I was, like, reading all of those comics, but I I was super, super into Batman, and pretty embarrassed. I mean, like, I just, I never read Wonder Woman unless there was, like, a crossover or, like, a, a Justice League thing. Like, I'll, I watched the Justice League um, cartoons growing up, but it was, like, I was totally just like, what's Batman's storyline? What's going on with Batman? Like, and he never usually seemed to want to like actually be part of the Justice League, right? He was like the grumpy one or like off doing his own like detective work, but I was totally, totally. Batman. Um, so That's I, why it always felt like, you know, uh, Superman, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman were doing all the work. <laughs> and then the, the Wonder Twins would come in and do something with an ice bucket, and then that would wrap things up. <laughs> That's funny. I was always like, Batman's the one doing all the work. <laughs> He's doing all the detective work. <laughs> and, like, the rest of them are just, like, trying to figure it out. But Batman's going to have to come in at the end and tell them what's going on. <laughs> That's so funny. Um yeah, so I was like a little bit excited to see Cal Drogo as Hawkman. Yeah, I think I'm just like, please, like, make sure, like, hold it together. Like, don't make like two movies like Suicide Squad and then squash them together and tell us that this yeah. is a good movie. So, yeah, that's more what I'm worried about. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, like, I was like I said, I was a total DC Comics guy growing up. So, yeah. Um, well, if if Justice League is terrible, maybe we can get Zack Snyder to stop directing and Patty yeah. Jenkins could start directing more. Yeah, that's true. The, we can only hope. We can only hope. You know, while Kabir, while you were talking about um, Batman, it made me realize we have to say a very sad goodbye to my Batman, like yeah. the Batman I grew up with, Adam West, passed this week. Yeah, which is yeah. just. I, it made me go back. There's like some YouTube compilations of the Batman fight scenes, like the kapow, yes, wham. Yes. Like I just like yeah. There were, again, like this is like my Linda Carter Wonder Woman. It's just there was so much humor in those shows for like as a little kid watching those. Before we get into the serious gritty versions of the superheroes, those were a great one for kids to kind of sink their teeth into. Yeah, that's what I when I was little, I watched those too. Like, and I still remember the kapow and like sort of, um, you know, pr like they would uh, press the press the button and then the Batman they would. They would go down in the back cave through that pole. It was oh, awesome. The best. Yeah. yeah. There's a um, there's a Twitter feed that um, just goes th back through those episodes, and apparently they had like crazy labeling on um, that show. So like like the Riddler, his like henchman would be wearing T-shirts that said henchman. Like that's what the T-shirts. Like so good. Like there would be like something on the wall that said like invisible bat spray <laughs> like everything was like labeled this twitter feed oh yeah like... there were like things in the batmobile with <laughs> right. little switches <laughs> right right exactly labeled, right yeah and like the narrator would say it and then you would like Amazing. see it on the sign yeah no I, re I remember watching those and i remember you would always get to the end and the narrator would be like will the bat duo survive and it was like oh man it's the end of the show like it's Will they? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I caught um, on quick, but it was... Uh, yeah. I would always be a little sad that the show was about to end. But yeah, it is... Uh, 
sad that um, that the original Batman is is gone. Um, but yeah, he'll. I think yeah, I, I think that. I mean, I watched the show growing up. I I still remember it. It was um, it was awesome. It was my introduction to the Batmobile and all those awesome things. So the best. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we can't leave our representation and superheroes podcast without one last bit of awesomeness that That's happened right. this week. Yeah. The Black Panther trailer dropped. Yeah. So I never read this growing up. I know. I'm awful. I no, just... I didn't either. I have no frame of reference for Black Panther, but boy, do I want to see this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It looks amazing. Um, and, like, I almost think I probably need to get a little bit of background on what's going on. So, is, I mean, it fits into the Avengers universe, obviously, but, like, so does Black Panther become an Avenger? I'm, like, asking you, like, you wrote the movie. Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're, you're asking the wrong person. Yeah. We will have to see the movie and yes, find out. I know. But Sounds... I think what's, what's really appealing about the trailer is, again, now... It's a totally different design aesthetic and, mm-hmm. you know, like these faraway worlds and these, again, like uh, Lupita Nyong'o in these, uh, this warrior costume that's amazing and uh, and just feeling like a, a, that same sort of like Wonder Woman energy of like, I haven't seen these characters before. I want to know who they are. Like, yeah. I want to learn more about them. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan's in it. Forrest Whitaker's mm-hmm. in it. Angela Bassett. Like... It's, it's Angela been, Bassett looks amazing in the trailer too. Yeah. Like I, I saw uh, some screen caps, like someone freeze framed like every. Oh really? Thing, and you could just like pour over like all the things. The use of music in that trailer. Uh-huh. This is where I think like Suicide Squad had me a little bit too, because it was just such good use of music in the yep. trailer to like set the mood of it. Um, but hopefully this will work out better than that did. Yeah. I really hope so. I totally agree with you on Suicide Squad, by the way. When I saw the trailer, I was like, this movie is going to be amazing. And mm-hmm. it was not. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this, I'm excited to see this movie. Um, it's, it's 2018. We got some time early February 16th. They're saying, yeah, as usual, we have to, yeah. we have to, wait Oh, and for the director, the Ryan Coogler, who did, yes. Um, yes. He did, uh, Fruitvale Station. Yeah, he right? did Fruitvale Station, and then he did um, the Rockies Creed. Creed, yeah, Creed. which was awesome. I don't know, Kapoor. Does that sound like a risk? <laughs> rolling the dice here. We are really <laughs> rolling the dice. I don't know. We'll have to ask the Hollywood Reporter what they think. Oh, Ryan Coogler. There's yeah. like a lot riding on him. I know. Oof. Hope he can pull through. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Oh, and he wrote the screenplay too. Nice. nice. Oh, that's that bodes well. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. So I think that's going to do it for our 98% Wonder Woman podcast. Um, In case it wasn't clear, you should go see Wonder yes. Woman if you haven't already. Yes. And if you've made it this far, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> totally spoiled it. Yeah, it's hard. we totally spoiled it. But you should still go see it. It's awesome. Um, that's going to do it. For this week, um, we are going to push the newsletter out with this podcast, so stay tuned for that. And we should have a blog post up at the Cooney Center, hopefully later this week, all about diversity sauce. So look for that as well. Thanks, everybody. 
This episode of Diversity Sauce is sponsored by the Joan Gans Cooney Center. Music is by Kamala Shankaram. Learn more about KidMap at joinkidmap.org. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at JoinKidMap. Thanks for listening.